And we cannot thank Allah enough for this great favor that Allah has granted us, you and me, to be of the Ummah of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that follow his path. Ya Rabb, Allah maja'anna minhum. Make Allah, Allah grant us to be worthy of that status. Or Allah grant us to be worthy of the shafa'ah of your beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yawm al-qiyamah. Allah grant us to be of those that is be granted the entry to Jannah without having to meet up with anything of the fire of Jahannam. Na'udhu billah, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. And so Alhamdulillah um, Before we actually get into our, our, our uh, segment The first segment Allow us to all make, make uh, dua inshallah A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi rabbil adameen Wal-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen Wal-jannatu lil-muahidin Wal-salatu wal-salamu ala ashraf Al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen Sayyidina wa maulana muhammadin Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in Rabbana taqabbal minna Innaka anta al-sami'u al-alim Watub alayna innaka anta Tawabu al-rahim Rabbana zalamna أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنه اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا فنضل يا رب العالمين ربنا زدنا علما ورزقنا فهما برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين اللهم باركنا في رجب وشعبان وبلغنا رمضان برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله thanks and praise due to Allah uh, I just the, the reminder of where we are 
with knowing my Lord in this program we were dealing with the last yesterday with Nabi Musa and his people and we are at this moment we or yesterday we were busy with in this segment where we were looking at what is happening between Musa and Fir'aun at the beginning of his return and we said Musa was when he actually told Fir'aun that he came all the way from Allah, that he was sent from Allah with a gift for Musa for Fir'aun. Fir'aun wanted to know what that was and he showed him the fact that what Allah has given him of the serpent and his hand. And he says, they then said, oh that is just the magic that he's busy with. And they made the plan to meet uh, to, for Musa to meet up with the uh, magicians and they, they said created a, a festivity of the occasion so that the magicians can overpower Musa and instead Allah to grant it the other way around and so but what happened is when the the, the, the magicians with Fir'aun got they made an agreement with him saying that they will get status and position if they become successful over Musa and because they thought that Musa was coming with, with uh, magic but unfortunately it wasn't magic that Musa came with he came with the law of Allah that's miracle that Allah and when they saw what Musa was busy with they realized that this was not magic but Musa spoke to them or shared with them the understanding that the, this comes all the way from Allah and Allah sent given him the this and they saw that this truly is greater than all the magic that there is that they know of and that's why when they realize what's happening and they heard the story of Musa informing that this coming from Allah Ta'ala they went immediately into sujood and they made sujood and when Fir'aun saw this he felt terrible he said no no how can you make sujood for uh, um, I didn't give you permission and they said to him but we don't need your permission he, and when he, he heard them say they don't need his position he became so uncomfortable and he said to, to them I will will slaughter you, I will kill you, I will cut off your hands and cut off your legs. They said to him, do whatever you want to do, uh, because you've been, that, that is who you are all the time and that's what you'll be doing and that's the power that you think you have. But we know that Allah has sent Musa and, and, and Harun and we now submit to these Lord and we recognize and we don't mind to die if this is the moment we die. In submission team, it's better than having to die under the process of being a, 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 a magician working f for you. So, subhanakla these people, they all sit there way, and all of them, all together, all those magicians that was in the land at that time, Nabi Musa made them understood the message, and they all submitted to the message of Musa and obviously this was a big blow for Fir'aun but we've also shown you oh, how in actual fact Allah has sent the various type of uh, 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 challenges to Fir'aun and his people simply because they did not want to be able to accept the message of Allah may Allah open the path for all of us Amen. we are still in our first segment being Knowing My Lord and you can see through your questions in regards to what Sheikh has been talking about and your Sheikh will be continuing on our first topic being Knowing My Lord Sheikh Tafatul Shukran Jazakallah for that moment Yasmina just before the break we were in what has happened to, to Fir'aun and the challenges Allah sent him and his sense of denial to that through the process of time 
um, then Musa, according to the messages of Allah Ta'ala, Nabi Musa, when he saw that this was the, the way that Fir'aun was dealing with things, Allah Ta'ala, Musa then had his people and, and, and told his people uh, that we depend and rely on Allah Ta'ala and that we persevere. And Allah, the, the earth belongs to Allah, and whatever Allah is going to decree, that is going to happen to us. Uh, and, and, and Nabi Musa says to them, remember, success will come from via Allah, and the best result will be with those people who sub- submit to the cause of Allah Ta'ala. And, and this is what happened, and Allah Ta'ala granted Nabi Musa with these people to be able to be coming successful until the moment came where Fir'aun did not submit to the laws of Allah and Allah decided at the end of it all Musa must leave with his people and Nabi Musa then told his people that he's going with them and he took them and he left with them and he told them, you, did, you, you don't need to take anything, just take what's basic things that you need, but don't take anything from the land here. Allah is going to grant us to be able to be. But the unfortunate situation is, what happened is, many of them took uh, what they believe their wealth. We can't leave the wealth here. We can't leave the gold here. We can't leave this here. We can't leave that. And so they took all those things that they, they considered their their powers and their wealth and things that they they had and they went with Nabi Musa the reason for them going with with Nabi Musa was simply because they were going to get their own freedom they were going to be set free otherwise um, the way they were treated with Fir'aun was not the best of treatment and so as they went they went with Nabi Musa they moved on until they got to what we call nowadays the the, the Red Sea. So when they got back at the Red Sea and they had to pass the sea, they had the sea in front of them and then they saw from behind them Fir'aun was coming with his men um, and on their horses and they're coming to be able to, they will be able to reach them in some time. And they said to Musa, where now to? We have it found, if Raun at the back of us and the sea in front of us, what do we do? Nabi Musa said to them, my Lord has commanded me, this is it, he's going to serve, save us. Bear patience, be patient in the process. Allah is going to grant it to happen when and how, that's not our business. We must just be the sober, be happiness is the sober. And the unfortunate situation is with people, we have so little sabr, unfortunately. We cannot wait. When we see something, we want it now. When we feel that we are under pressure, we want help right now. We cannot wait. Now this comes very clear with the Israelites. That uh, immediately after they felt that they have left, uh, uh, they're busy leaving Egypt, and they're going to go to some place, they felt very good initially that they're going to go to some place of freedom where they're going to have their freedom and be the, the, themselves. But at the same time, when they actually saw Fir'aun, the whole matter changed. The, the emotion of fee, feeling free and feeling happy changed because now it's suddenly, but look here, here Fir'aun coming now, what's going to happen? So 
Remember, this is the reason for Allah showing us all these things is to allow us to look at our lives. Like Allah has chosen or has challenged the people of Nabi Musa, Allah is going to challenge us with challenges as well. And are we going to be successful in those challenges? Now what Allah shows us of the people called the Israelites, there are certain qualities in them very much like us. But they've also got very, very strong qualities for having to firmly believe or trust or rely on their wealth and their powers that they have. But unfortunately, in today's life, they are the people who use those things to control, and you and I don't have that. And what happens is they leave with Nabi Musa. They get to the Red Sea, they then see Fir'aun coming, and they complain to Musa. They keep on complaining to him, until Allah makes the command to Musa, says to Musa, Musa, now you take your staff and you eat it on the sea. That, 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 that staff of you, that became a serpent earlier, eat that staff on the sea. And Nabi Musa eat it on the sea, and as he eat it on the sea, Subhanak la hawla wa la kibwa a walkway became open for Musa, he could see the, the, the bottom of the, of the seas. And they had to walk on that, and Allah has removed the water, made it dry for them to walk through himself, Nabi Musa and his people, and they all walked through. They all walked through. And when Fir'aun saw this happening, of a miracle in front of him where the sea opens up, and there's a pathway in the middle of the sea. He then comes with his, with his horsemen, all of them. They dra- uh, run into this walkway with a hope that they can also be part of that. But Allah allows Musa to get to the other side. And as Nabi Musa gets to the other side, and Nabi Musa and his people, and Fir'aun is in the middle of this, of this walkway now, in the middle of the sea, he then... Allah encloses this water, the, the pathway and the sea comes together again and unfortunately Fir'aun drowns in the process. Fir'aun drowns and many of his people. But when it happened to the drowning of Fir'aun, Allah informs us about that. At that moment, at that moment, Fir'aun shouted. He now shouted for the help of the, the Lord of Musa and, 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 and Harun. But where were you all the time? When Allah gave you all the reminders and, and said to you, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi instructs us and says to us, Allah ta'ala sent Jibreel to him. That the moment he shouted out to the ilah of, the ilah of Harun and Musa, but now he does it because he's under total pressure. And now it's not expected for him to be able to say, I wish I witness in Allah ta'ala. Oh, oh I, I, I recognize and I call to Allah. This because you, you know, and you, you, you're forced to. You have all the, you had all the occasion and the right to be able to use the powers that you have, and you were using it all against Allah's message, and now suddenly now you call unto Allah. So Allah sent Jibril, and when He actually called upon the Lord of Musa and Harun. Allah ordered Jibreel to be able to take a, a rock from the sea and to put it into his mouth so that he doesn't and that he drowns in the water. So he drowned and his word doesn't get any further. 
and Allah Ta'ala's command to Mu'tan is that he will not he will not die Allah will not allow his body to go through what the norms is and the natural is and all bodies bodies must go through decadence decay so his body did not decay and Allah says as to us in the Quran had Allah left his body alive and Allah left not alive left it in its natural format it would not decay but it will be a sign for all humanity to understand that follows the after to see him and subhanak you can see his body still up to today his body is still available today for anybody to can witness the unfortunate thing is you're gonna pay quite expensive when you go to Egypt in, in the museum there just to go to his body if you go into the museum you'll pay X amount of money to go into the museum but you when you get to want to see his body they charge you double or triple that amount simply because just just for the sight of that and, and they make their money through that but Allah Ta'ala instructed us who says to us in the Quran that Allah is going to keep his body as a sign for humanity to show them when you are not prepared to want to take the path of Allah whilst all the situations there to help and to ease and you wait for the last minute and that last minute might not come then unfortunately now the Billah may Allah protect may Allah forgive all of us may Allah grant us to be pardoned and forgiven and not be like those of Fir'aun who unfortunately became arrogant against Allah and thought his might and power is greater and at the moment when he was in difficulty to only then call upon the Lord of Allah Nabi Musa and Nabi Harun Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah So Allah Ta'ala shows us how Fir'aun comes to his demise and how he dies and how Allah then allows his body to come up and to be preserved and up to today one can actually see his body Na'udhu Billah Subhanak And then Allah Ta'ala carries on And from here onwards we move on to The issue of what happens to Nabi Musa with his people Now he deals with his people On a specific basis Remember the challenges that Nabi Musa had At the beginning Was the challenges with Fir'aun himself And with Fir'aun and his people For now when Allah has taken Nabi Musa away from Fir'aun and they were given the freedom now Allah deals with us with having to show to us what the people of Nabi Musa did and how did they go about and what made them successful when they followed the advice of Nabi Musa and what made them unsuccessful because they thought of using their own powers and might and Allah to expose all these things to us so that we can recognize where do we fit in where do you and I fit in what would happen to us if we do the same but allow me in Surah Al-Fatiha Allah teaches us our job and our realization is when Allah tells us in Surah Fatiha the first few verses Allah tells us Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen that thanks and gratitude belongs to Allah and to Allah alone He is the Lord of, the, of, the, of all creation Rabbul Alameen and then Allah says to us about himself He says Ar-Rahim, as if he wants to say to us I am the most merciful, the most compassionate and then Allah carries on He says Madikiyo Middin but not only am I compassionate and merciful 
But on the day of judgment, when you will come to meet with me, that day I am going to be the, day, the person in charge alone. No king, no Fir'aun, no Naaman, no, no Namruth, no a person who's got power and might. Nobody will be in charge. No judge, no president, no uh, advocate. No, 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 no. None of them will be able to have any qualities. They will be equal to everybody other. And Allah Ta'ala says, I alone is going to be in charge. Subhanak. He says to us, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, the one in charge of that day, Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And then Allah Ta'ala carries on. Now in Surah Fatiha, Allah Ta'ala, in the first part, is as if Allah Ta'ala speaks to us about somebody else. But He's actually speaking about Himself. But then Allah Ta'ala commands us to speak for ourselves. After that, we need to, me and you, we need to speak for ourselves. Ek and yei would prat for ourselves. And then they would all say, Allah has told us at the beginning, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Malik Yawmiddin. Letting us understand who Allah is and the qualities of Allah. But then Allah puts it onto you and me that we take a responsibility and we need to say, Iyaka na'bud. We worship you and you alone, O Allah. When it comes to worshipping, it's for nobody else and only for you. And whenever any one of us is going to be in need, in any needs that we have, we will turn to you, O Allah, and we'll beg you the help and assistance from you. Subhanak. Allah does. But Allah don't say to us, this is what we're going to say. Allah says, you say that. And so immediately Allah puts it to us in the first person. And I must say, and you must say, and every one of us must say, You alone do we worship. And we, as if we stand in front of Allah, and as if we now making this oath to Allah. What are we saying? The uluhiyya of worshipping Allah belongs to you and to you alone. And we don't worship anything or anybody else but you. Bella grant us to be of those who actually put these things in its place, inshallah. Amen. We are now in our second part of the program, being I am a Muslim, what's expected of me. And yes, she will be giving a recap as to where she stopped yesterday. Sheikh Tafatal. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Yasmina. In, in this segment, I am a Muslim, and so what is expected of me? We're dealing with, we said, the salah and the impurities that there is that we need to cleanse ourselves and clean ourselves with. And we've went into the different forms of impurities that there were. We've gone to the, uh, yesterday we went to the dung that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam threw aside. We went to the menstrual blood. And we gave the advice that of what the, the Nabi told the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the Sahabiyat, um, went to the saliva of the dog, and we inst- showed the process there. Um, I think that is we, until where we went yesterday, alhamdulillah. Um, may Allah open the path for all of us and grant us the understanding where these things are concerned. We're dealing with the last one today, and that is um, when there's a dead animal. An animal has died, and what happens? Can we use anything of that animal? Obviously, we, if the animal has died and it was not slaughtered, and then for that matter, we actually cannot eat of that animal. 
But our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has given us permission to use the skin of the animal. And there's other things of the animal that we can probably use as well. But for consum- con- consuming, we cannot consume the animal. We cannot eat of that meat. Right? It's not halal for us. Right? And so this is what our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has given us permission, uh, said to us, um, the, the, the skin can be used. We need to be able to tan it. By tanning, they mean we need to be able to, to take it to a process of cleaning and then it's permissible for us to use. There is exceptions of what the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has given us and told us. Exceptions where what is permissible and what is not permissible. And the Nabi said to us, the certain things that is impure, that is accepted for us. One is, or it appears to be impure, one is the dead fish in the sea. And secondly, locust, what also known in Afrikaans, sprinkana, is permissible to eat. Now, I know the South African people don't know me very much the, the uh, no, not, not don't let me say South African, let me rather say the Captonian people. We don't know the the, the form of eating locusts because um, we have quite a lot of locusts around and, 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 and it's, but unfortunately it's not those big ones um, but the big ones it's quite permissible to have and to eat and our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has told us the permissibility thereof and he says to us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam two types of dead animals and two types of blood have been made permissible for you. For us, the Ummah of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, The two dead animals are the fish in the sea, or that comes out of the sea, and the other one is the locust. The two types of blood that is made halal for us is when blood is in the format of liver, because liver is made up of blood only. And the other one is the spleen uh, that's next to the liver in the body. Now, it's here referred to the liver of the animals that's halal, that you slaughtered. The animals, that is halal. And, and what we do find, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whenever he slaughtered, he made sure that he took a portion of the liver, he gave it a boil, and he enjoyed and ate of that and fed the other people or that also shared it with the other people. But that's immediately after the the slaughtering to be able to teach us that we need to be participative in the in the slaughtering process that there is amongst us right so um, it doesn't need me necessarily I, I must eat of the meat I can eat of anything else or if that is meant offered but that was the sunnah tariqah of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whenever he slaughtered he made sure that he ate of the the liver of the animals so that is the th- the things that has been given to us with the conditions. Then the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has also taught us, in the, the words of Abu Huraira, narrated that the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to us, "If a fly falls into a bowl of yours, in, into any food of yours, then immerse it into the into 
then immerse it into then immerse the animal the fly into the uh, food completely or into the into the drink completely and then throw it out for one of the wings of the uh, it, it, Behind one of the wings there is a disease, and around the other wings is an antidote to that, that disease. Right? And the nature is that whenever a fly falls, it will open up one wing only, lays it on the one side. But that wing that it opens up, unfortunately, that is the wing where there is the, the uh, um, disease in it. And the antidote is on the other side. Subhanak la hawda wa la quwwata. Adas our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, immerse it completely into their food or completely into the, into the, the uh, um, uh, drink and allow it to be able to be then take it out and take it out. Because if you open, allow the wing of the other side to open, then the antidote to what the disease is the thing brought to the, to the has been then given to you and and now, uh, what we call it, it neutralizes out one another, and so the harm is now away, and the thing is now clean for you to drink. Now, you and I wouldn't have known this, but this comes from the best of creation. The best of creation. The, the best of creation comes from Allah Ta'ala, who gets his message and information from Allah Ta'ala directly, the creator of everything. He knows these details and thus he says. But that details today in the modern world has been given to us by the sciences. They are saying to us, it is a fact behind the one wing, and they say behind the left wing of the animal, there is a disease. And he doesn't lift his right wing, and behind his right wing, there is an antidote. Subhanak. You see, science must develop and it takes him hundreds of thousands of years to come and prove that which comes from Allah and His message to be the truth. And like we've said, the duty of science, their duty is to only prove whatever comes from Allah and His soul is ultimate truth, is the, the real facts. There's no more factual things than what comes from Allah and His messenger. That we need to understand. May Allah open the path for us. And this is what our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wants us to understand that the, when we actually have food or things that we must be able to identify when a fly falls into it uh, we immerse the fly into the food and then we remove it because our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says there is an antidote that removes the disease and we then have freedom to be able to drink and, and enjoy the animal, the, the food that there is. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are in our second part of the program still, and that is I am a Muslim. What is expected of me? And here she is going to be continuing just before we cross over to our new stage. Sheikh, bismillah. Yes, alhamdulillah. We were speaking about the dead animals and the, dead, uh, the things that come from dead animals. And we said to you, uh, there's certain exceptions that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa has given us. Uh, when it comes to, we cannot, the, the dead animal is not halal for us to consume, to eat. But we can use of it in examples. The Nabi said to us, the use of the skin of the, the animals can be used. And then there's other dead animals, those in the fish in the sea or the locusts that comes from the sky. Um, they are permissible for us to eat and then the other one is we said to you those animals such as who doesn't there's no circulating blood in their bodies such as ants or bees and so on and flies and they, they, they do not do any harm to us 
uh, or they are of no harm when they land in your in your food, and you can just remove them from it. Um, but it's permissible. There's nothing wrong to them. But the fly itself is the, the words that we've said. Our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us if it falls into the food, immerse it, put it down into the food deeper, allow it to open up both wings. So because from the one wing there is a disease, and the other wing there is beneath it an antidote to that disease. And so allow the antidote to go into your food because now it becomes clean. You don't. You're not going to get sick. And because if you're going to get sick, you still have to find medication to, to find where well, here's the antidote for that medi- for that disease. So you're not going to get sick when you actually just they do what is best that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the person whom Allah sent with all the information to guide you and me to be able to be healthy and to be strong and to have people to be people of Iman. The last one is, the last uh, exception is that it has been become clear in the advice of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, such as things such as the bones or the horns or the nails and the hair and the feathers of dead animals are all pure. There's nothing wrong, which means either the animal is dead because the animal has been slaughtered in an un-Islamic manner or the thing has died by itself, then the, 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 the bones thereof, the horns thereof, the nails thereof, the hair thereof, the feathers thereof of these dead animals are all pure based on a, 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 a basic ruling in Islam that unless there is proof for not being pure, then the thing is absolutely pure from an Islamic position. Sayyidina Bukhari radiallahu an, he records, he says in one of the hadith, and it's noted that in this hadith is not a full chain. He says about the bones of a dead animal such as the elephant or the horns of the elephant. He says that I met some of the earlier scholars who used to use those for combing their hair or applying oil to their, to their bodies or to their hair and they did not see any harm in it. Then this person, Hamadi says, there is no harm concerning the feathers of the dead animals. Showing to us from an Islamic perspective, there are certain things, as we've said earlier, only Allah and His Rasul can tell us those things and we accept it from that side. Normally when an animal is a dead animal, then we wouldn't want to take from it, we wouldn't want to eat from it. But we can use some of the things that comes from the dead animal from that angle only. And as we've said, not for consumption purposes, but for using for other things. And it's totally permissible, right? We now move over to one other aspect. And that is the aspect, if, you, if there is an impurity, how do you clean the various forms of impurities that there is? And we've said the word impurities is in the word najasa, najis. How do you clean different forms of, of, uh, of najis, right? This is what we intend to look at here. What is the manner by which we need to, to, to purify these things, right? And we find... It has been sanctioned for us by our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam certain things, and we're going to go in that, go into those various things that our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam given us permissibility to, inshallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. For now, we're going into 
also I am a Muslim what is expected of me the second part that is and Sheikh is now going to be continuing as to where she stopped before the outbreak Sheikh Bismillah Shukran for that one Yasmina just before the break we were dealing with the impurities and how to clean them and we said we just started and we mentioned that um, these are all given to us by Allah and his Rasul um, in a hadith the first one Abba, uh, Ibn Abbas narrates that the Prophet says the skin of any animal if it's tanned has been made pure Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah and then it wants to also teach us how to do the cleaning we mentioned earlier on the saliva of the dog the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says to us in a hadith um, that the purifying of one of you of your bowls or your utensils that a dog licked in it it is for you to wash it seven times the first time with the clay or the earth subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah Another hadith, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says to us, when you purify the, uh, the garment which has been, uh, has been affected by menstrual blood, on it, this lady Asma bint Abu Bakr, she stated that a woman came to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa and she said, we get menstrual blood on our clothing, so what should we do? The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa replied, rub it, then scratch off the water, then scratch it off with water, and then wet it, and then you may pray in it. Allahu Akbar. Now, we did say yesterday, the description that we gives is very much like the washing process that we do. We wash the thing first, and after washing, we rinse it, and after rinse, then with a reference to the um, menstrual blood. In a hadith, Abu Hurairah said, O Messenger of Allah, I only own one garment, and I wear it while menstruating the the, the, the a Sahabi said to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam these words. She says, O Messenger of Allah, I only have one garment and I wear it while menstruating. What should I do? The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied to her and said to her, When you become pure from your menses, wash the place of the blood and then pray in it. She then said, Even if it is traces if the traces are not removed, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, the water is sufficient for you and it is, and, and its traces will not harm you. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So here we see what the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is teaching us in the cleansing of the menstrual blood of the lady that if the traces left, even if the Nabi, you have washed it, now Nabi says, says that the water is pure, the water purifies things and if there's traces left, it's quite permissible for the person to make the salah if there's only that garment that the person has. In the words of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam pertaining to the dress of a woman, now we need to understand that the woman, her whole body is awrah and so Allah has made it permissible for her with the fact that she covers her whole body with her dress and if that portion of the dress is on the ground there's nothing wrong with that and it doesn't become dirty or even if she walks through dirt the, if it, she walks on the earth with it, the earth cleans it um, this one uh, 
the, the Sahabi mentioned that the, one of this women, Umm Salama, the wife of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, I'm a woman who lets my dress drag and I walk in sometimes filthy places. So what should I do? Umm Salama said that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam replied, what comes from, what comes after it purifies it, meaning the earth itself purifies the, the, the garment, right? Must probably here, yeah, I just want to let this understand that a woman's feet must be covered, and that's the reason why the woman in the time of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam was wearing dresses that covered the whole aura. The feet must be covered, and because. The, cover, the feet must not be covered when she's standing in salah in front of Allah. Nay, she must cover it. But it's more important that she needs to cover her feet for public purposes. And thus the woman in the time of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa when they recognized that they must be able to cover their aura, they covered their feet as well. They made the dresses long enough and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, if a din is long, it drags behind you, no problem, the, uh, the earth cleans it. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And then the, the other hadith is when a baby boy urinates on a person that has been, been giving uh, breastfeeding only. In this hadith, a servant of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam narrated that the Prophet said, the urine of a baby girl is to be washed while that of a baby boy is to be sprinkled over. Meaning, if a baby boy that is still um, only having mother's milk, then you just need to sprinkle water over there if the baby dirties the clothes of the mother or in anything. Just need to sprinkle. If the baby is not eating yet, he's only having mother's milk, right? And that is a boy. If it's a girl, says the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then that garment must be washed. And I need to be able to want to bring something to our attention here. It is not that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wanted to show differences between a male and a female. Nay, it is because the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent to show us the difference. The Nabi was sent to teach us the difference. To realize that our Nabi was the person who is the one to teach you and me what the difference is. He did not bring a difference between male and female. It is Allah who created the male and female different. And in the creation of Allah, Allah has sent the Nabi and his job is to teach us what is the difference between the male and the female. And Allah has created the male to be totally different to a female. That even at the beginning of the life of the child, right at the beginning, that young baby that is only lactating from her mother, already there are certain things in her body that Allah has given to her body that is not to be found in the body of a male. And so that you and I need to understand that there is a difference in the creation of Allah when Allah created and our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam through his message did not differentiate but taught us the differentiation is Allah's creation when Allah created you to be who you are and the other gender to be what they are. And so no male can ever be a female and a female can be a male and from its very beginning Allah Ta'ala has made it that you and I need to understand that when there are certain things in the creation of Allah that Allah has created in the female, thus the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, if the female urinates the baby on the, on, on the garment or on the mom or in it, that portion must be washed because that is dirt. 
And when it is that of a baby boy and is lactating from mommy only, then that you can only you can sprinkle over there. Allahu Akbar. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. We go to the other hadith of having to see how the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam handled with the with the madi, and I think we dealt dealt with this. We see how the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam showed us that there is means of cleaning of uh, purifying things that became dirty. And this hadith, Sahal says to us, I used to suffer from a lot of madi, and I used to wash a lot due to it. The Sahabi used to because the madi comes out. And he, wash, he washes. And then I mentioned that to the Messenger of Allah. And he said, It is sufficient, sufficient for you to make wudu from that. I said, What should I do about what falls upon my clothing? The Nabi sallallahu says to us, said to him, It is sufficient for you to take a handful of water and wet your clothing wherever you see any places on which it has fallen. And we remember the word madi, we said is that thickest uh, 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 um, fluid that comes out before a husband and wife comes together, or it comes out uh, with, with, with the fact that uh, normal males, it just comes out normally through them, That is, and, but there's no semen in there, you can only use water and throw water over it and it becomes clean. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. For now we're going on to our third part of the program, being a leadership in Islam and its progression, and your Sheikh is going to just give us a recap as to where Sheikh stopped yesterday. Sheikh Tafatal. Shukran, Jazakallah thanks for that one, Auntie Yasmina. <coughs> We in the segment leadership in Islam and its progression. Alhamdulillah. In yesterday's lesson, we we heard about what happened when Sayyidina Ali informs us <coughs> as to what happened in his era and time while people were different, and it came clear it's all to do with the type of followers that there is in the day and time. So here, the scholars use this hadith to be able to show to us that. We need to actually develop ourselves to become healthy and good and meaningful followers. For if we become a good follower, who can follow through processes, then we can develop from the follower to the process of leadership, where we can give leadership to that of a righteous process. May Allah grant khairan barakat all of us. In the process, we said, we need to look at those qualities given to us, and it says when it comes to leadership, there's many functions in leadership. As a leader, the person must be able to give direction. The person must be able to create the creation, the, the culture of the people or, or, the, or the culture of the organization or the institution. Must be able to develop the system structures, the systems and the structures, and must be able to, when the need is there to solve the conflicts, and to make decisions and to be able to motivate the subordinates especially and serving his people or serving his family or the community. In a hadith, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, the leader of a people is the one who is at their service. Sayyidul Qawm Khadimuhum. He serves his people. If you want to be a leader, a leader is somebody who is actually there to serve. To be able to benefit, meaning at the service of. Of the most important uh, uh, task or the process of the leader is to create 
the culture as we've said that brings about the righteousness the, the true the proper culture that's needed and to if change need to come about for change of what is harmful or change of things that is not the best for now then what type of change is best under the circumstances and we are looking at the the quality of those leaders what we're saying here in the process of that the leader is somebody who must be, be a in his lifestyle of his, his being must he must be a person that gives to others and by giving without expecting anything in return by giving we mean he doesn't give money necessary but he give whatever he can he give a leader is somebody he gives he gives to his people if you give if you need to give he give you time he give you time if he give you of his wealth he give you of his wealth if if if, if he has things and he can share and give you to those he, it's, it's his sense of caring for his subordinates or those people in his group or his family and so a father figure a person who wants to become a leader a male who needs to become the sultan of the house needs to be able to work towards this sense of um, having to give and expecting nothing in return and caring for the family and supporting them all the time and being just and fair to all of them and not being unfair at any stage it's such an important uh, message that we must understand leaders cannot be unfair but more so in the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when this woman comes to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and complains she speaks she says oh messenger of Allah ta'ala I have children and my husband is married with another woman and he has children with that family as well it hurts me to know that he actually gives to the other children and he does not give mine and then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam summoned him to be able to know whether it's truth to confirm the information and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam related to him what she said and Nabi said to him is it and he said, yes, O Messenger of Allah, and he wanted to actually defend himself. And then the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to him, the sin that you are doing is so grave that Allah wouldn't allow me to be able to see you being pardoned for the unfairness that you do to your children. That when Allah has given you the right to be the leader of your, ch your children, the father figure, the person in charge, then you need to be totally fair and just to all of them. You cannot give the one anything more than you what you give to the other. Because it's going to create a sense of malice. The child is going to feel bad about you. The child is going to think, you don't treat me like you treat the others. Now we've seen this happening in society. That sometimes parents give to the one child something and he don't give to the other. And then he says he loves that child more. In Islam, yes, there is a child that you will have a natural inclination to have a sense of you feel good. But you cannot give the child, you may not give the child anything more than what you give the others. You may only give them equal. You only share with them, you show them fairness at all times because the one child is going to feel bad towards the other child and you've created that you've put it into the child you've actually made the child feel 
negative because you've created a means where you were supposed to be just and fair. You were totally unjust and unfair and your unfairness created havoc where they're supposed to have a sense of love and care for one another as brothers and sisters. They, you created a sense of animosity, enmity, hatred, disrespect and they don't appreciate you to be who you are as the father figure. They only call you being a person that's unfair. This is the advice of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we, you and I, the leaders, the parents, should make sure that when we deal with children, do not make of the one child something and the other child something less. Or make of the one child something and the other child something more. It reminds me of what my son says. He says, Mommy just ask me, Mommy don't ask the other one. Uh, yeah, but 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 uh, 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 mommy asked me, and the other guy, Giles is doing this, that, and the other. But it's such an important thing that this is the norm. Uh, allow me to, to to just allow for all all of us if we listen to this. Your dad, your dad, gives you a sweet, and gives everybody of your children sweets. The next day, your dad gives them uh, a fruit, and gives fruits to everybody. How do you feel? Good, nice. And the day thereafter, daddy buys a cake and shares the cake where everybody gets an equal piece. Everybody gets the same. The day thereafter, or a few um, week or something after that, daddy buys uh, chips and gives everybody a packet of chips. So everybody gets fair, equal. And in some time in life, dad buys toys and buys toys for everybody. All the boys get the same toys, all the girls get the same, but everybody gets a toy the same. Later on in life, daddy decides daddy buys a bicycle. And daddy gives everybody a bicycle, but daddy doesn't give you. How do you feel? Good. Daddy, doesn't, daddy didn't give you a bicycle. Later on, daddy gives you a, a car and others a car. Daddy gives you a house and everybody else a house. So yes, everything. But... What happens in life, you never ever forget that moment when daddy gave bicycles to everybody else, but daddy didn't give to you. Subhanak, that is, that is the nature of all. That is the nature of you. That is the nature of your children. That was the nature of your forefathers and mine and of all of us and all our, of our, our, our children. In the total future, this is what Allah does. Allah has made it a necessity. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa called on this man and said to him, Is that what your wife is saying is true that you are doing? The Nabi said to him, Allah would not allow me to be able to see that you are pardoned for the way what you are creating in your children. Subhanak. Which means the load when we, you are a father figure or you are a person in charge, fairness is extremely important, especially within the family. Because you then keep away the sense of malice, the sense of hatred, the disrespect, the blaming process. You actually take that away because you've given, you see that you actually share with them in equality. May Allah grant us to understand the necessity of us when we actually dealing with our children and having to deal with them that we are totally fair and equal. And I've given you some of examples wanting you to understand. See that you are always fair and when you're dealing with your children. When you give the one, see that you give the other. Don't find any excuse. See that you give all of them and you share with all of them, right?
May Allah open the path that we realize our children have been given to us. They don't belong to us. They belong to Allah. You and I, we belong to Allah. We don't belong to our parents. We only were sent to this dunya by our parents. But our parents was given the responsibility. Like we are given the responsibility on our children. Our children, our parents were given the responsibility to be the leaders and the parents of us. They had to nurture us in accordance with Allah and His Rasul. And similarly, you and I need to see that in our leadership, when you and I are the mom and the dad, that we strictly give respect to all our children, right? That we give them all equality and equal, and we do not treat the one better than the other in no sense. In no sense whatsoever. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Must probably here we should just make some clarity that if your children has, a, is a, the one child is a normal child, or a few children is normal, but you have one child amongst them which is an a sickly child uh, with, with some uh, uh, some sicknesses where it's not equal and the child cannot enjoy what the others enjoy in the, then obviously this child needs a bit of extra attention and Allah is challenging you with that then just make your other children aware of that that this load Allah has given to me and I'm prepared but you must bear with me when daddy treat this child in slightly a different way not because daddy or mommy want to but because this is our challenge and we need to be able to assist and this child's needs are so much different to yours and because of the needs that mom and dad needs to be able to pay attention to those needs please bear with us and understand the fact that we need to be able to help these children right? and those are realities but you see you need to be able to make this clear to the other children so they can understand remember in our rearing of children we only allow them to become the adults for tomorrow. And you and I do that. And so if we do not let them understand why we are treating them different to the others, they take it as malice. It becomes malice in their hearts. They see negativity. They feel the uncomfort. And they feel that you've been unfair. They feel that you are totally, totally unfair as a parent and you did not do your duty. And they will have that deep, and they most probably will create a sense of uncomfort for the person that they feel you've been treated somewhat different the other children that you treated different to them may Allah protect all of us and grant us to understand our abilities or our responsibilities when it comes to that process of leadership within our families and when we guide them along and so the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam has indicated to us that Leaders don't take the leadership because of their wealth, their status, their position, or the power that they hold. Right? They actually follow the process of what comes from Allah Ta'ala. And in the words of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Muslims should be able to be of those that engage in good deeds at all times and say serve the cause of Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul. So in the leadership, they should ask the question, am I fulfilling that what Allah and His Rasul expects of me? And thus Allah shows to us in the Holy Quran the processes of what happens with man when Allah says about leadership and how they give and how they share, how they give to others and they care not for themselves, they, they care that they give without having to have anything in return. Allah says, وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا 
انما يت انما نطعمكم لوجه الله لا نريد منكم جزاء ولا شكورا سبحانك لا حول ولا قوه الا بالله الله تعالى يسي and they give food in spite of love for it to the needy to the orphan and to the captives saying we feed you only for the countenance of Allah for the status or the countenance of Allah Ta'ala for that reason do we feed you we wish not from you the reward or gratitude subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah Allah Ta'ala shows us what the role that they play and how they see it how they want to be able to fulfill that subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa may Allah grant us you and me to be able to be of those who follow those paths of being like them Allah says to us in another ayah Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu kunu kawwamina lillahi shuada bilqist wa la yajrimannakum shana'anu qawmin ala alla ta'adilu i'adilu huwa aqrabu littaqwa wa attaqullah inna allah khabirun bima ta'amalun O you who have belief be persistent standing for firm firmness for the sake of Allah Ta'ala standing firm for the sake of Allah Witnesses, be, witness injustice and fairness and do not lead, let there be hatred of a people prevent you to be the hatred of people prevent you to be unjust or prevent you to be just and fair be just as Allah that is nearer to righteousness for fear Allah definitely Allah is acquainted with what you are doing shukran so much for that sheikh we are in our last segment being leadership in islam is prediction and before i hand over to sheikh sheikh here is a message or question that came through it says assalamu alaikum sheikh what if one child is married and the other one not married if i buy something for my unmarried child must i buy the same for my child whom is married bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillah wahda Yes, uh, I think it's a very relevant question there. Um, what, hap- what happens with the, um, with the children? Normally when it comes to eating and drinking and doing, using the things that's at home, um, that you do normal. Uh, that's not the thing that you're giving to your children specific. But when I buy one of my children a gift and the others is around, I need to give them gifts as well. I can't give the one without the other. And the, we, we know what happens with our families. If I give one of my children something, then the, the next thing everybody else knows, Daddy gave me this, or Mommy gave me that. And they go around informing everybody. And how do they feel when we say, yeah, Daddy gave me this and Daddy gave me that. And especially here, Titi comes and he is married. He comes and says, Daddy, Daddy bought me something. But he didn't buy me. Yes, because you are married. No, daddy. You are daddy. Like you are daddy to her, you are daddy to the other one, or to him, and there is the others. It's your duty to be able to be fair with your children. right? When it's a gift, be fair, says the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Whether they are young or whether they are old, whether they are married or not, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says to us, the fairness is extremely important. The child would feel, no, daddy or mommy, things better of her now especially that gift yesterday i never received it because when i was younger today i'm married now they're going to give the other one and they don't give me anything this is what we need to understand that giving the one child without giving to the other is not a permissible act 
Yes, it became almost a norm in the Cape Townian lifestyle. The mummy gives some child on something and the other child not says, yeah, they the undercons interest in thy neighbor. The fairness is extremely important of what Nabi Salam says. Not being able to allow the hatredy, the enmity to be able to develop into their hearts, not allowing shaitan to be able to take over their hearts or to be able to create that sense of mummy leaves more loves more or gives more attention or daddy treats the others more better than me, that shouldn't happen from us. As the leader, as the the dad in the higher house. We need to see that fairness and justice is there at all times. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. There is no further questions to know that you can send through your questions through our WhatsApp number as well as our SMS number 47913. And our Sheikh is going to be continuing in our topic still, Leadership in Islam and its Practitioner, Sheikh Tafatta. Shukran for that one, Yasmina. The scholars tells us that we should have uh, out as as leaders, you should create a sense of trust in ourselves and those people that you're dealing with. So, a leader's job is to be ma- able to make sure that he actually develops develops his subordinates, his family, his people that's with him, and develop them to become people to be trusted, people to be um, to be leaders tomorrow. Now, how does that happen? It takes time. It's not quick, but it's something that you need to do and having to give that right to everybody that they must be ready by preparing them. But it happens by daddy not believing or mommy not believing as the people in the house or as the, or the leaders of the family that they can do the job alone. We must start to be able to put the job in the, the children's responsibility and say to them, we want you to do it. And then trust that they will not immediately do it the right way. But this is how you and I learned. You and I learned it. As long as you, daddy and mommy, can just give the trust to the child and say, I would want to say you do it, right? And not believe that you and I as mom and dad, we can only we can do the job. And I don't trust anybody else to do it. Or I must do it over again. It's not what Islam expects of us. Islam says... Put your child to the process by letting to say to the child, I want to see you and I know you can do it. Um, uh, and then encourage the child because the ch- let the child feel the child can. Give them all the encouragement that they can and let them take the responsibility to fulfill the processes. They can. But when you and I feel no, 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 they cannot without us. What if you die tomorrow? The world has been there without you prior. So when you came, you've only been filling the job of a certain thing. But Allah's going to remove you and me. So when Allah removes you and me, we need to be able to have a sense where we actually have prepared when we leave. Others must be worthy of being the leaders in the process. And when it happens through the process of having a sense of trust, when they do things and we show them that we appreciate what they've done. And yes, like you and me, they will have certain errors and faults and sometimes more fall faults and errors than you and me but sometimes you and i had more faults and they are much quicker and they are much sharper that's also the truth but the essence is allowing them to be able to be nurtured to the sense of having trust to them that they can apply or implement things 
all do things in a similar manner of becoming leaders for the future, inshallah. And that is so important when you and I need to deal with our children. We are now in our final few minutes of the program with the clock at 5, at 3.53. And we are still in our segment being leadership in Islam and its progression. And Yashik will be continuing. Sheikh Tafattal. Yes, just before the break, we were speaking about certain qualities that there is that Allah shows us that we need to have. Um, for now, I need to be able to let us understand part of those things that the scholars are saying to us that needs to be part of leadership is the fact that the leaders must, must have the ability to, to diagnose the situation, must be able to, as, they, as we say, you must be able to read the situation. You must be able to have the capacity to read the situation and understand what is happening and give the necessary guidance because of what he sees ha- is happening. He must be able to identify the fact that he had diagnosed the situation or read the situation, that problems could come up, and so you need to diffuse those things prior to it actually happening. So he needs to have that ability, and he needs to look at things where he says in the broad sense, you need to look at things broadly and not be narrow in his view and vision. He must always look at things at the greater entrance for, the, for everybody in the family or everybody in, in, in his organization. And he needs to have the capacity to step back and to ask of others what they see and how, whether others in his family or in the group, in his leadership or his partner, whether they see the same he sees and do they, are we reading it in the same way? Am I reading the situation properly? Do I diagnose it in the same way? He shouldn't be afraid to be able to speak to others. That is a leader. But he should also have the capacity to be able to look at things as we say, a bird's eye view. Let's, let's take a, how do we see this from the top? What do we see happening? How do we see this, what's happening to the family? So if there's a problem or an issue that's happening, he discuss and a leader uh, always draws in those people with him in leadership, right? Like uh, um, with the role of mothers and fathers, the mother must probably call in the dad and speak to the dad and whether she sees or the dad speaks to the mum. But the two of them are sharing things, sometimes with the children. And sometimes they need to bring in the bigger children and speak to them. This is what I'm seeing. What is your view? What is your opinion? That needs to happen in the sense of leadership when it comes to to to, uh, uh, to to leaders. And leaders need to, as we've said, help to develop other leaders. And it's so important that we have the method of dealing with that, inshallah. Um, leaders must have a vision for change if they find that what has hap- what has become norm has, be- has then become, a s- we've just accepted it and we're not actually doing something positive to it, then we must be able to bring change to that, that vision. How can we bring those changes that can actually be more positive to the circumstances that we find ourselves in? On the other hand, the changes must be made with a process to be able for people to communicate and the leaders must be able to to communicate that change with them and to be able for them to become more committed and having to fulfill what they need to fulfill as the followers or as the family members and the leaders mustn't feel that doing something uncomfortable when it comes to the fact that they put the loads or the change onto the family may Allah open the path for all of us inshallah and as we see time only goes against us very very quickly may Allah grant us what is best inshallah allow us to be able to make the necessary dua 
Uh, we've come to the end of this program and uh, the words of Allah in the Holy Quran A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Wal Asr Innal Insana Lafi Husr Illa Alladheena Amanu Wa Amilu Salihat Wa Tawasaw Bil Haqqi Wa Tawasaw Bil Sabr Wa Sallallahu Ala Sayyidina Wa Mawlana Muhammadin Wa Ala Alihi Wa Ashabi Wa Barik Wa Salim Subhanakallahumma Wa Bihamdik Nashhadu An La Ilaha Illa Anta Nastaghfiruka Wa Natubu Ilaik Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen And on that note from myself Yasmina Peterson We bid you Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh From myself Yasmina I bid you a very great day as well as a great weekend. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.